So glad that you are here. Happy birthday. I only see the first few rows. I just looked down. I'm like, there's Jen. I uh, hope you had a great birthday, Jen. All the people that are celebrating birthdays and anniversaries and so many things going on. Uh, we are celebrating with you. Got a lot of people joining us online. Our 9 o'clock today was amazing online. 1045, you're back. Uh, a few of those names that are joining us online, Matthew Hilliard in North Carolina. We had people earlier in, in Florida and Maine and so many different places. We got Margaret Wade. I love you, Margaret. I love that we met a few weeks back and had a chance to pray together right there in the parking lot. I love you. Uh, Jason Mullins, uh, Maria, Jeremy Riddle, love to the Riddles. Uh, Amy Gaddis, Amy, we're praying for you as you continue to recover. I know we've been praying, we're continuing to pray. Billy and Michelle Evans, uh, Julie Young, the list goes on. Storyside, would you welcome our online family today? It's great to have you guys. Before I go into my morning message, I do want to give a shout out for our baptisms that are outside next week. And we have baptisms throughout the year, but we always have a summer baptism at the river out back. Uh, and I'm so excited about our baptisms next Sunday following our second service, this service. And we've got people already signing up. And speaking of baptism, it reminded me of the joke about the family that is watching a baptism service. And while the baptism service is taking place, the little five-year-old girl, little girl Emily, uh, says to her parents, why, why did the pastor push that guy in the water? And so in the middle of the moment, the parents are trying to explain we're born into sin and there's dead things and bad things and God's good and God makes them good and trying to explain to Emily. And Emily looks at her dad and said, why didn't the pastor just spank him? <laughs> That's not funny. Um, but next week we're baptizing people and I love baptisms. I think it's one of my favorite Sundays of the year, our outdoor baptism. And we have had people get baptized for the very first time. People that have told me, Pastor Micah, I'm 68. I remember different faces and names even in my head now. First time I've ever been baptized, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, we will have children, whether it's the VBS or internship, a student camp. We'll have younger people that say, I want to be baptized. I was five years old when I got baptized and still have fond memories of that day. Some people said I was too young. But I knew at five I loved Jesus, and I was so glad that my parents, they didn't initially, they didn't initially, I asked and they said no, but I'm so glad that they decided to let me be baptized. I was re-baptized at the age of 40, so as much as I valued my five-year-old baptism when I was 40, I wanted to be re-baptized. And I'm often reminded even in Acts 19, where people are baptized again, because of newfound understanding or newfound revelation. And so it doesn't take anything away from your first baptism. When I got rebaptized at 40, it wasn't replacing five. I loved my baptism at five. It was simply at 40. So much has changed in my life. I see so many things different, including even my relationship with God. And so I want to encourage you, whether you're being baptized for the first time, or some of you that's saying, I feel to be re-baptized. I've seen couples get baptized together, families get baptized together. It's a beautiful thing. And so if you have any questions at all about baptism, we have a uh, packet together that's at the high top tables, the tents in the lobby. Uh, and if you want to stop by the tent, just frequently ask questions. I wrote scriptures in there, points in there, reasons why we believe baptism is so important. It's all in there. So if you want to stop by and get one of those after service, you can. Those online, if you want to reach out to us, we could email that to you, send that to you. Also, I, I want you to reach out to me personally this week if you have any questions at all. I know our team, Pastor Clint, Pastor Josiah, Pastor Desiree, Pastor Chad, other ones, they would be willing to help you. I'm willing to help you. If you have a question, you want to email me. And whether or not I respond via email or if needed, I will call you. If, if you say, Pastor Micah, would you pray with me on the phone? Will you reach out to me this week? My answer is yes. So if you want to reach out to me this week, just Micah and then P for my last name, Pelkey, Micah P at StorysideChurch.com. Uh, I would love the opportunity. If you want prayer, uh, if you want one of us to reach out to you this week, we want to come alongside of you 
and let this moment be a special moment for you. It was a big deal in the Bible, and it's a big deal to StorySide. Uh, we believe that what God's doing on the inside, baptism is a, is a way for that to show on the outside. That you're not ashamed to tell the whole world, I'm a follower of Jesus. I want to be identified with Christ. I'll be buried in baptism. And the Bible said that in that moment, there is a newness. There is a newness that comes for all of us. And so we're excited about baptisms next week. I also want to say how proud that I am of our students. Last weekend, they led the entire weekend here, all of the ministries, all of the areas, worship. They spoke last weekend. Didn't they do a great job uh, last weekend, the student takeover? And they, they've been sending me pictures. They're doing the same thing in Ontario today. So if you see a lot of our students, student leaders not present today, that's because they're at our, our Ontario location, and they're leading worship and speaking and preaching in Ontario today. And I couldn't be more proud. I couldn't be more proud. My wife would tell you when I watch them, uh, we invest. When Whitney is sharing earlier about VBS and internship, it costs thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. I've had people even tell me over the years, Pastor Micah, that's way too much money that we're investing into that. And I've even had people that will make comments about, you know, kids don't pay the bills and stuff. But I just want to say publicly, unapologetically, uh, that I think it is priceless that we invest into our children and into our students and they can have moments like this to grow in their faith and grow in the Lord. Uh, and I'm so proud of them. I had a lot of tears last weekend even hearing reports about Ontario today. I am so proud of what God is doing with our kids and with our students. Amen? Are you ready? Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, if you have your Gospel of Luke books, if you have your Bible on your phone, uh, however you are following along, I want to read to you from verse 41 down through and including verse 48. Luke chapter 2, 41 to 48. Thank you to everyone for your continued investment in StorySide. I know I say VBS internship. You see some of the lighting, the online experience, uh, things that are going on here in the stage, the sidewalk out front. I love the sidewalk, the new basketball court just got finished, so many things. The playground's on the way. Uh, first two weeks of August, I think it's 60 by 40. I am excited. People talk about some churches having a summer slump. I've never wanted to do that. I think God can show up in the summer just like all the other seasons. And so um, excited about what God is doing. Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Now his parents... Where's my parents at? Where's my parents at? Grandparents, uncles, aunts. Just let me say, if you've got responsibility over kids, hands everywhere. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year. Every year. At, this is important, the feast of the Passover. And when he, Jesus, was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Here's where the story gets a curveball. His parents did not know it. But supposing, everyone say supposing. Supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. And after three days, those of you that are parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, it's a long time. After three days, they found him. He's in the temple sitting among teachers, listening to them, asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and answers. Final verse. When his parents saw him, they're not amazed. They're astonished. And his mother says, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you, notice this, in great distress. 
The King James Version would say, we have sought you sorrowing. Sorrowing. This story in Luke chapter number 2, we would go on to see that Jesus is going to say things, don't you know that I'm about my Father's business? We'll also see that Jesus modeled submission. The Bible says that Jesus goes back with his parents, and we don't hear anything from age 12 to age 30. We're not going to see Jesus show up on the scene again until a wedding feast in Cana. So I want you to see the gap. We have his birth, the angels, the shepherd, the wise men fleeing to Egypt. We have all of that. Then we jump all the way to age 12 that we're talking about right now, and then we're going to have 12 to 18, a gap, and he's going to show up at a wedding and turn water to wine. So this moment, in my opinion, is very important. This is an important moment that gospel writers would feel was pertinent enough to say, I need to tell you about this part of his life story. The context of this story, the timing, the takeaways, because today I don't want you to just get information. I would like you to have application. I would like you to look at this story, and although you're not Joseph and Mary, and it's not Jesus 12 years old, I would like you to apply the principle of this story to your life. We get a glimpse here into Jesus being 12. 12 is important because this would be an age where they would celebrate several things, but one of which would be what they would call a bar mitzvah. These celebrations where at the age of 12, 13, in this timeline of their life, they are going to be valuing for the first time. They would say in their culture, the first time that they truly value the voice is around this age. The public perception of him is going to change around this age. But not only the perception, when I met with Rabbi for probably around three or four hours, we were talking about this being an age, a time where someone would accept God's word personally and they would submit to God personally. So this is not just mom and dad doing it. Now this is when a child accepts that they are going to do it. They are going to have a personal faith. When you look at Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter number 2, both of these chapters that we have been in show us the importance of parents. Luke chapter 1, we talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth. We talked about Zechariah telling John, there's some things you're going to do, there's some things you're not going to do. In chapter 2, we see Joseph and Mary, as was their custom, and then we see the word every. We are going to see that Joseph and Mary are going to take Jesus to the festivals or to gatherings, God gatherings. And I think that's really important because we are seeing parental commitment. We are seeing parental consistency. It was their custom. We read it together. It was their custom. Now, I'm intrigued by this because sometimes we... We let our schedule and our calendar dictate and direct when we're going to do God things. So if the grass doesn't need cut, if there's not a ball tournament, if it's not a good late day, if it's not whatever, then I'll go to the festival or feast. They didn't get to change the dates in their culture, in their faith world, in their belief system. Matter of fact, if you trace it all the way back to the Old Testament, he would say, I want it on these days. I want it in these months. I want you to come at this time. And this group going is one plus million people. That's when they went. I think there's several things that we could take away from this passage, but one of them would be that. That I don't know if it's always wise. 
that we feel like we are the ones telling God when we'll show up or when we'll come <laughs> or if we have time to pray or read our Bible or have devotions with our kids or I'm too tired or I'm busy. I don't know that it's always wise that we feel that we get to dictate that. There are one million plus travelers in the group when I talked with Rabbi, he said that number could have been upwards of a million. We see the length or longevity of the trip. So just on the departure, the departing time, it's a day in before they realize where's Jesus, where's God. So you have the length or longevity. Then you have the needs and necessity of a trip. So even today I've talked to people that are telling me just today, we're going to Maine, and Steve telling me I'm leaving for Iowa today and, or tomorrow. And different people will tell me about trips. If you've ever taken a trip, you know, my wife is notorious. She would tell you she can hardly sleep the night before. No, I'm serious. She'll, 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 she'll tell me I, I stayed up till 2 in the morning or 4 in the morning because her mind is going over all the things. Do I have this? And do I have this? And did I leave this? And who has? And it could be everything from dog, kennel, if, you know, if we have kids staying back and medical cards and then going and who's got this charger and these clothes and just all of these things her mind could race. Now when I, when I read this story, I just want you to put yourself a little bit into the place or position of Joseph and Mary. They are going on a trip. It's not like you and I getting in a truck or a car, SUV or a van. They're going to be taking a long trip. They have a 12-year-old, and I'll just move on from that, but they have a 12-year-old. They have the crowd of a million-plus people. Rabbi told me that the reason... They would travel, even when you read it earlier, maybe you noticed it said when they lost Jesus, they checked with friends and acquaintances, if you, if you noticed that earlier. Rabbi shared with me that they would travel with their family, their extended family, and then their neighbors or friends of the family. So there would be a million plus people, but you would have your group within the group that you would travel with. And you would do that because of the strength and stability in numbers. And they would go every, 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 as was their custom. Now, whether it's the needs and necessity or the length and longevity or the trip, if you've traveled and maybe you could even put yourself in the passage just a little bit, and you see the priority that these parents put on these God moments... I want to fast forward to 2021 and ask you and I this question. What is the faith of your family worth? I know some people who wouldn't want to drive 20 minutes. I know some people who'd be like, I don't, I don't want to get the 12-year-old ready kicking and screaming. What is the faith of your family worth. Now, when I listened to the students last weekend, I was drawn to a lot of things, but, but some of which was people like Katie Reynolds, who was saying things like, when I came to the internship, and I'm just quoting, day one, my mom had to drag me kicking and screaming. Now, I only remember that when she said it. I only remembered it because her mom asked if she could work here that day and used one of our offices for that six, seven, eight hours to set up a computer and work in our offices because she brought Katie to internship. Now, in those couple of months, Katie builds new relationships. She builds new friendships. She starts serving. She's, she's serving in kids' ministry. She spoke last weekend. She, she stood up here and spoke about the quad accident and the miracle that she had and how she loved the internship. But all of the wins were a result of a mom that brought her, in her words, 
kicking <laughs> and screaming? What is the faith of your family worth? You say, I drop them off at students. I bring them to VBS. You know, it's a 30-minute drive, Pastor Micah. You know, sometimes my kids will tell me, none of my friends at school do this. You're the only person. You're the only parent that tells me. But, but what is the faith? What is the faith of your family worth? Come on, Joseph and Mary. I want to give a shout-out today. When I listen to those students, students like Keaton Cooper last weekend. I love Keaton. Keaton who's saying, you know, I help with video and production, and when we did 50 straight consecutive nights, he's here and he's filming and learning. And, but he said, my parents, when we were looking for a church, and I wasn't sure we would find, and I, I wrote it in my notes when I heard him say it, but he said, you know, my parents kept bringing me, kept looking, and when we came in, we just knew. What is the faith of your family worth? And so I want to tell all of the parents and all of the grandparents, not just the Reynolds and the Coopers, I want to tell all of them, thank you. Thank you, Joseph and Barry. Thank you for every. Thank you for custom. Thank you for consistency. Thank you for all the times maybe when little Johnny didn't even want to come to church and you were like, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. I thank my parents. I thank my parents. When you look at where they travel to and from, and then you look at the festival they show up at, it's the Feast of the Passover. To give you a little bit of details on the Feast of the Passover, so there's multiple feasts. The big ones are Feast of Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Passover. The Feast of Passover is the one that Jesus, he's age 12, they show up at the Feast of Passover. This is the feast or festival that was held in the first month of the Jew Jewish religious calendar. The Jewish word, the Hebrew word uh, Pesach means to pass over, that the Hebrew word means to pass over. Without getting into all of the details of this, because there's multiple chapters, it starts in Exodus chapter 12, but I just want you to see that the Passover in a concise Form was that they would put blood, they, they, they would sacrifice and they would put blood on their doorpost in Egypt. They would put blood on the doorpost. They made bread that didn't have leaven because the Bible says they had to eat it quick. They didn't have time. Matter of fact, the Bible used the word haste. They had to eat the bread hastily or quickly because the next day God was going to deliver them. And so God miraculously delivered them. The judgment, the death angel, would pass over them. If they saw the blood, would pass over them, and God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. It was a miracle. And the Bible says in Exodus that in this miracle moment, God told them, I want you to continue this feast throughout your history. And so for years and years and years, Jay, they would have this feast of Passover, of Pesach. Lane, they would gather, they would make this trip, their custom, it was one of several feasts, but they would come to this feast of Passover to celebrate God got us out of Egypt. And at the age of 12, Jesus who is the Passover lamb. Jesus, who John would say one day, behold the lamb of God. I just want you to see the significance of this. The lamb of God, Jesus, shows up at the Passover. They are celebrating what God has done. Jesus shows up as an example of what God is going to do, and while they are celebrating from thousands of years ago that God got them out, Jesus shows up to let all of us know, I'm going to die on a cross so that everyone has an opportunity to get out, to get out of sin, to get out of shame. Are you thankful for Jesus? And it's in the middle of all of this, this million-plus people coming to celebrate the Passover, that this 12-year-old comes on the scene, 
and his name. His name is above every other name. I know there's a million plus, but his name is above every other name. His name has been given authority. His name is Jesus. And according to the Bible, he will save people from sin. When he shows up, you have to remember today that he shows up in their culture to get more value to his voice. What do you think that means to them? What would that mean to a carpenter's son? What does more value to his voice mean to a carpenter's son? Maybe the public perception is, you know, he's 12, his voice is going to carry, carry authority with woodwork, carpentry. Little do they know, little do they know that this 12-year-old's voice is going to gather a team that will change the world with words like, follow me. Little do they know that his voice is going to say things, Patsy, like, Lazarus, come forth. And a dead man is going to come out of a grave. Little do they know that his voice in a conversation with a leader, a leader who says, my servant is sick, and his voice is going to say, I don't even need to go to the house. The leader says, I, I don't even need you to come, but if you will just speak a word. And his voice is going to outrun, outrace even that leader. By the time, the Bible says the self-same hour, by the time that leader gets home, that man is already healed because of the voice of God. His voice is going to say things like, Father, forgive them. His voice is going to, on a cross, say things like, it is finished. Now, I know at 12, they think they're valuing his voice, but really they have no idea how powerful this voice really is. When you look at the symbolism and significance in our final few minutes of the Passover showing up at the Passover, so for them, they would celebrate the blood on the doorpost. That would be part of their celebration. That the angel of death, that judgment passed over their door. This 12-year-old is going to represent, according to John 10, 7, Jesus said, I am the door. I am the door. They're going to celebrate the bread, this unleavened bread that they ate in haste and left. Jesus is, in one conversation, going to say, I am the bread of life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, he is called Christ our Passover lamb. In John 1, John, who is baptizing, is going to look out and see Jesus and say, behold the lamb of God, the lamb of God. And so you have the lamb at age 12 showing up to celebrate the history of the Passover. This beautiful moment of appreciating and celebrating people getting out. Of course, you and I, in hindsight, are reminded that God is still getting people out. What I want you to notice in closing today is that their feast concludes, and they leave. It's over. Come on, parents. And the Bible says... Verse 43, Luke felt it was important for us to know. His parents did not know it. Now, when you think of parenting, you raise your hands, parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, you have responsibility for children. My final few minutes, I just want to talk about parenting. <laughs> How, in, so, so I know right out of the gate, I know right out of the gate, if this happened in the Pelkey house, I know who's to blame. I just know it. I think it's me, right? I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I think if we're missing a kid for that long, 
I think it falls on me. I also know that I've done it. That's probably part of why I think it could be me. It's also probably why I get a lot, if I take my kids to, a, I love sports, if I take my kids to an Indians game, a Friday night football game, whatever, I get a speech every time. Can't think of a time I don't get a speech. When they go to the bathrooms and when they do this and don't let them out of your sight and if they go with their friends and, you know, this, this is just maybe a month or two ago, I show up at church here on a Sunday and I get here and they're like, where's Ellie? Ellie was coming with you. Like, there's no one with me. No one with me. This is my youngest daughter. She's still at the house. When I left, it was quiet. My house is never quiet. But when I left, it was quiet. I didn't know anyone was still there. So it's, when I read this story, I'm immediately thinking, how do you lose Jesus? Now, I know it's not Joseph and Mary and Jesus. We're talking Mike and Angel and, and my kids are, Maybe your story. I'm just thinking of how does this happen? And so I start, I start just writing down some thoughts. Maybe it's as, as simple as awareness. Because the reality is, I'm not sure that you and I always know everything our kids are doing. Look how, my, look how many things Mike and Carrie Davis don't know about you. All the sneaking around over the years. All, you know what I'm talking about, Lane. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Right? I don't know everything about my four kids. I think sometimes we do our best, but I don't know if we're always aware of everything. Could it be awareness? I wonder if it's the stress of the trip. The prep on the front end, the plans... You know when you're going on a trip on the front end, you know, my wife does this. I hope it's okay. But my wife is always saying, babe, roll all of your clothes. Is it, they weigh less? Is that what you tell me? More space. So her suitcase looks unbelievable when she goes. She has like little compartments and stuff rolled in this way. And it like, looks like a little puzzle put together. It's, it's, it's actually awesome. Um, anyway, I got to stay focused here. But on the front end, Patsy, the 2 a.m., the 4 a.m., all of that, when we are coming back, we're just trying to get everything in suitcases, right? We're like, put your foot on it, your knee on it, sit on it, step on it. You're just trying to, like, get the zipper closed, like, I'm ready to go home. Anyone else like that, or we're the only ones? Anyone else? Like, we just want to get home. Maybe it's that. Like, they get Jesus there. <laughs> right? But leaving, maybe it's a different mindset or mentality. Maybe it's the one million plus people. Think about this in our last few minutes. Maybe it's the one plus million people. That's a lot of people. I have a hard time watching my kids at Friday night football. So here, here's the thing. My kids, especially road games, they want to play under the bleachers. Dad, I don't want to go with my friends. And like eight times got to go to the concessions. And, you know, when it's a home game, they're tumbling down the hill and throwing footballs. And I don't always wear my glasses. I know I should, but I'm like, I think that's Micaiah. Like sort of about, yeah, I, I mean... There's a hundred of them. Uh, I'm getting in trouble even right now saying it. I, I can just, I think I even just heard it like, mm-hmm. I actually, I thought I just heard that. <laughs> what did you say? I am in trouble. I know, I can tell. I can, it's like a spiritual thing, like just a heaviness comes over me. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. But maybe it's that. Maybe it's the one million plus people. Those of you that, that have children in your care, maybe, you know, the Bible uses the word, here's what I want you to notice. The Bible uses the word supposing. Everyone say supposing. I think this is an important thing. Because, you know, another translation would say assuming, assuming. Supposing. It was like the joke I heard, like the joke I heard about the man who invited a friend over to dinner. He hadn't said anything to his wife or asked his wife. He just tells her, hey, my friend's coming over for dinner, and his wife's losing her mind. She's like, why would you do that? The house is a mess. There's toys everywhere. Laundry's piled up. Dishes. Why would you do that? 
And he said, well, he's thinking of getting married. <laughs> but the point is, I think sometimes when people come over, you maybe pretend like I'm going to put everything in the closet and everything's perfect, but, but if you have a family, I think you would have to admit that although it would be easy to point at Joseph and Mary and say, how'd you lose Jesus? I think the truth of the matter is, I could probably lose a kid and a million plus people traveling, everything going on. You're like, where are they at? Who has them? I just want you to notice the word supposing. Because I think it's easy to assume. I think it's easy to assume your marriage is okay. I think it's easy to assume that your kids are okay. I think it's easy to assume life, your ministry, your purpose, the plan of God. I just think it's easy sometimes to assume, to suppose. You know, pastoring sometimes is difficult because I, there's a fine line of I don't want to bother people that haven't been here for three or four or five weeks or for some people it's been a year, 15 months. You know, I see names online. You know, you, che you check in on people in different ways, like every week. My, I probably drive my wife crazy. Babe, did you see this person? Did you see this person? Where have they been? But then there's a fine line of a text, but I don't want to bug and bother you. I really don't. And especially if you're like, geez, like the third time in a month, I'm good, Micah. But, but sometimes just the heart of a pastor, it, there's a fine line there because I don't want to assume or suppose you're okay and you're not okay and trying to figure out like I don't want to bug you but I also don't want to leave you somewhere and you're like where are they at I just want you to realize today that I think every one of us can be susceptible to what I'm talking about right now and I want you to realize as we get ready to pray I want you to see one thing about this story Jesus didn't leave them they left him And supposing, supposing, I don't know if blame is going on, I don't know if they're pointing fingers, but I know with every step they're getting further away from him. Have you ever taken God for granted? Just supposing, it's fine Micah, we're good. I know we missed three weeks. We're good. We're fine. I'm just so busy right now. I know I don't have a lot of time to Bible read or pray. I'm good. I'm good. I know I'm at this tournament and this trip. And like a, sometimes I think every one of us can suppose. And then we realize maybe I'm further away from God than what I want to be. Maybe I'm not as close as what I once was. And they start searching initially with the wrong people and places, which I think we've done. They search here, acquaintances, friends, they're looking, and he's not there. And the Bible says they go from searching to then finding. They have panic, they have concern, they have what Mary said in this translation, distress. They have what the King James Version called sorrowing. Have you ever regretted something to the point of great distress? They returned and they found him. They returned. I want you to notice that and they found him. They returned. They returned. I'm going to go Go back. You know, I'll say this as, as we get ready to pray. Some of the most important moments in my life is where I've gone back to some of the people and the things that were most important, whether it's crowd, life, busyness, whatever. It has a way of pulling us away from some of those things that matter most, mainly. I want you to see in this story, Jesus. They returned returned I wonder today if God is asking someone maybe for the first time ever his spirit is drawing you even right now 
I wonder if God is telling someone today, come to me. Come to me. I wonder if there's someone else that maybe you've been around church for a while, but if you were honest, it's waned or you're a little wayward, a little lackluster. The Bible would call it lukewarm. Matter of fact, Scripture would tell us things like there's times you've got to return to your first love. They returned. Maybe today God is calling some of you to return to some of those things. Your prayer time, your commitment. Maybe for some of you it could be things like a date night or time with your kids. But you've been supposing. You've been assuming. It's all right, it's good. And then you have a moment where you realize it's not what it was. And I need to find Jesus. I need to find Jesus. I don't want to live without Jesus. Some people in that moment, they can just keep on going. Like it's his own fault. Like just move on. I'll work a job, work overtime, buy some more stuff, appease it or appeal it in a moment, just go on with their life. But I would submit to you today that every single one of us go down a road of destruction if we try to live our lives without Jesus. They found him. They found him. Maybe today it's your moment to rekindle, to refresh, to renew some things. Maybe you need to find something right now. Maybe you need to find Jesus, your joy, your peace. Maybe you need to find again. Just let him dust off some of those things that matter most in your life. I feel his Holy Spirit even as I say it today. C.S. Lewis said this, human history is the long, terrible story of a man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. How many times in my life I've had to return, I've had to reconnect. Maybe today this is one of those moments for you. What are you searching for today? What would you like to see restored? Do you need do you need to find Jesus today? They returned, they found him. Now I know this story is about Joseph and Mary and Jesus, but to take the principle of this passage and apply it to your life. He's not left you and I, but sometimes we leave him. They returned and they found him. Very interesting that they find him, father's business, father's house. I think the greatest place for us to restore, renew some of those most important things in our lives is right where they found Jesus significantly, symbolically in his presence, in God's house, in God's presence. And we have a moment right now. We have a moment right now for you to do that. So as you close your eyes and just give me the honor to pray with you today. You say, Micah, I'm not perfect. Hey, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. You say, I don't, I don't have everything together right now. You don't need to get everything together. Some of the greatest God moments are when you and I just bring them all to pieces. And we're like, God, will you help me today? Will you save me? Will you touch my marriage? Will you touch my family? Will you touch my mind, my heart? Maybe today it's not that you've got a day away from him or for them three days before they found him. For some of you, maybe it's been weeks or months or even years that you just know you've drifted. And your prayer today is, I want more of Jesus in my life. I want more of Jesus in my life. That could be a first-time prayer. You've never asked Jesus into your heart. And today is the first time you've ever said, will you save me? Will you forgive me? Will you be the Lord and the leader of my life? Maybe you'll pray that first time prayer right now. Where you would say, here it is, God. My life, all of the pieces and parts, my sin, my shame, save me today. For others... Maybe you've given your life to Christ. 
but you know even right now that there's been some assumptions and presumptions, there's been some spiritual supposing. You're reminded in this holy moment right now, don't live life without Jesus. Don't get too busy for God. Don't let the crowd, your calendar, don't let it control and dictate so much. Jesus is saying, I miss my time with you. Miss my time with you. And today you want to, in your own way, you want to return and find him. As we get ready to pray, if God's word is speaking to you in any way, and you would just raise a hand and say, Pastor Micah, I want to acknowledge God's word right now. I'm hearing it. I'm listening. Would you raise a hand right now? I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you, sir, down here. Hands are going up all over the room. Thank you. Just with eyes closed all over the room, I see several people wiping tears. If you're close to a spouse or family member, and you even want to pray with them right now, this is a holy moment. You could do that. Just take their hand. Maybe some of you, you want to put your, your arm, your hand just on them even right now. And I look out and just see several people with, with hands wiping tears. God, I pray for every person on site and online today. I thank you for being the Passover lamb once and for all. I thank you for getting us out, out of sin and out of shame. And today for that person that's saying, I need God to get me out. I want to get out. I believe when they pray and say, Father, forgive me. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus, Jesus is the Son of God, he'll save you. I thank you today for every person that would say, God save me. I thank you for hearing them today, for saving them. I thank you for those other individuals that are saying, God, I, I don't want to drift. I don't want to assume. I don't want to suppose. I thank you for restoring some things right now. Thank you for restoring the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks in Psalms about restoring joy. I thank you for restoring joy today. I thank you for renewing, renewing. The Bible talks about waves of refreshing, refreshing, that come from the presence of the Lord. And I thank you that someone even today, they're being refreshed. The world has a way of draining you. It could be social media, it could be the news, it can drain you, but I thank you today, God, that your word and spirit is refreshing someone right now. That person that's fighting for their family, refresh them. That single parent, refresh them today. That marriage, refresh them. That business leader, refresh them. That individual that wasn't even sure they wanted to be part of this service today, refresh them right now with all of the winds and waves that come against us, the storms in life. We talked about your voice today that spoke to the storm and said, peace be still. And I pray that voice would speak even right now to someone, peace, be still. I feel the Holy Spirit right now. Sandy, peace, be still. Alicia Wyatt, peace, be still. I feel the Holy Spirit. Tammy, Jenna, peace, be still. Peace, be still. Can we just marinate in this moment for a bit? I'm getting ready to walk off the stage, but I really feel the Spirit of God right now. Will you just stay with me for a moment? Peace, be still. I declare today for someone who feels like it's falling apart, peace, be still. God, be the anchor for someone today. We sang it earlier, but in the midst of all of those storms, let the anchor hold someone today. Thank you for letting someone find you right now. They're connecting, they're sensing it, they're feeling it. I thank you for it today. Peace, be still. Peace, 
peace still. If you need peace today, would you just put your hand out in front of you? We can just keep our eyes closed all over the room. Will you just take your hands, put it out in front of you today just as a way of receiving. Just make a bold move to say, God, I need your peace today. Whatever that looks like, you know the storm going on, but if you just say, God, I receive your peace today, thank you. I see hands raised out to God all over the room. God, I receive your peace today. The Bible says he can give you peace that comes from heaven, that from, comes from above. I pray for his peace today. Pray for his peace today. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Story Sada, are you thankful for Jesus? Are you thankful that he's our lamb? Are you thankful that he saved you? Can we stand all over the room today? Let's sing this out to him this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Fix your eyes on this one truth. God is madly in love with you. So take courage, hold on, be strong. Remember where hell comes from. Jesus, our redemption and our salvation is in his blood. Jesus, Jesus, the light of heaven, friend forever, his kingdom. On this one truth, God is madly in love. 